And good afternoon. You're listening to Ken Hudnall. This is the Ken Hudnall Show. Coming to you from our studios right here in exciting El Paso, Texas. Gateway to the Old West. The most haunted city in the country. Well, today is February the 6th. 37th day of the year. <clears throat> 328 days remain till the year's over with. And then we get to do it again. Well... Holidays and observances. This is a segment that was requested by you all. <coughs> National Frozen Yogurt Day. National Chopstick Day. Safer Internet Day. Who comes up with these things? National Lame Duck Day. National Apprenticeship Day. International Networking Week. Women's Heart Week. Feeding Tube Awareness Week, National School Counseling Week, Pride in Food Service Week, Boy Scouts Anniversary Week, Burn Awareness Week, Solo Diners Eat Out Week, National Patient Recognition Week, African Heritage and Health Week, and Children's Mental Health Week. Birth dates, Ronald Reagan, Axel Rose, Babe Ruth, and Aaron Burr. Then we got National Black History Month, Canned Food Month, National Snack Food Month, National Children's Dental Health Month, Harley Quinn Month, National Embroidery Month, National Grapefruit Month, National Women's Inventors Month, Great American Pie Month, National Vegan Cuisine Month, American Heart Month, National Cherry Month, National Bake for Family Fun Month, National Bird Feeding Month, National Hot Breakfast Month, National Library Lovers Month. I remember growing up, I'd go to the library in the town where I was born, and I'd check out 20 or 30 books, read them, read them during the week, and take them back. They finally put a limit on me of how many I could uh, check out, <coughs> which I thought was discriminatory, but what can I say? All righty. Uh, hmm. Low Vision Awareness Month, National Fasting Month, and North American Inclusion Month. All righty. In 1579, the Archdiocese of Manila is made a diocese by uh, Papal Bull, Domingo de Salazar, being its first bishop. In 1685, James II of England and VII of Scotland is proclaimed king after the death of his brother Charles II. 1694, the warrior Kareem Dandara, leader of the runaway slaves in uh, Quilombo, Dos Palmares, Brazil, is captured and commits suicide rather than be returned to a life of slavery. 1778, American Revolutionary War. In Paris, a Treaty of Alliance and a Treaty of Amity and Commerce are signed by the U.S. and France, signaling official recognition of the new republic. Also in 1778, Massachusetts becomes the sixth state to ratify the Constitution. <clears throat> 1806, the Battle of San Domingo. <clears throat> British naval victory against the French in the Caribbean. You know, it's interesting, I saw a piece, I don't remember what magazine I was reading. At one point, the French flag was solid white because they had surrendered so many times. They thought it was just superfluous to have a different flag. Uh, 1819, the Treaty of Singapore signed by Sir Thomas Stanford, uh, Stanford Raffles, Hussein Shah of Johor, and Timing Gong Abdul Rahman, and is now recognized as the founding of modern Singapore. 1820, the first 86 African-American immigrants sponsored by the American Colonization Society Depart New York to start a settlement in present-day Liberia. 
1833, Otto becomes the first modern king of Greece. 1840, signing of the Treaty of Waitangi, establishing New Zealand as a British colony. 1843, the first minstrel show in the U.S., the Virginia Minstrels, opens up the Bowery Amphitheater in New York City. 1851, the largest Australian bushfires in a populous region in recorded history take place in the state of Victoria. 1862, American Civil War. Forces under the command of Ulysses S. Grant and Andrew Foote give the Union its first victory in the war. They captured Fort Henry, Tennessee in the Battle of Fort Henry. 1899, Spanish-American War. Treaty of Paris, a peace treaty between the U.S. and Spain, is ratified by the U.S. Senate. 1900, the Permanent Court of Arbitration, an international arbitration court at The Hague, is created when the Senate of the Netherlands ratifies an 1899 peace conference decree. 1918, British women over the age of 30 who meet minimum property qualifications get the right to vote. And representation of the People Act of 1918 is passed by Parliament. 1919, the American Legion is founded on this date. Also in 1919, the five-day Seattle General Strike begins as more than 65,000 workers in the city of Seattle, Washington, walk off the job. 1922, the Washington Naval Treaty is signed in Washington, D.C., limiting the naval armaments of the United States, Britain, Japan, France, and Italy. Let's fight a war with one hand tied behind us. That should be exciting. 1934, far-right leagues rally in front of the Palais Bourbon in an attempt to coup against the French Third Republic. Created a, a political crisis in France. 1944, World War II. The great raids against Helsinki begins. The... Um, Soviet Union launched three massive bombing raids against Helsinki. They wanted to break the Finnish fighting spirit and force the Finns to the peace table. So the raids were conducted on the nights of the February 6th and 7th, 16th and 17th, and 26th and 27th. Uh, Joseph Stalin obtained British and American support for the measure at the Tehran Conference in 1943. In that manner, the Soviets hoped to force Finland to break its ties with Germany and agree to a peace settlement. Finnish Air Defense Forces counted 2,121 bombers in the three raids of February 1944, and they dropped more than 16,000 bombs. With 34,200 shots fired against the bombers, 21,200 are with heavy anti-aircraft artillery, and 12,900 are with light anti-aircraft artillery. Uh, they deceived the Soviet pathfinders by lighting fires on the islands outside the city and using searchlights on the east of the city, which led the pathfinders to believe that it was really the city. Only 530 of those uh, 16,000 bombs fell inside the city itself, and most of the population of Helsinki had left. Casualties were lower in the other cities bombed during the war. Of the 22 to 25 Soviet bombers lost in the raids, uh, 18 to 21 are destroyed by anti-aircraft fire. Four were shot down by German night fighters. 1951, the Canadian Army enters combat in the Korean War. 1951, the Broker, a Pennsylvania Railroad passenger train derails near Ridbridge Township in New Jersey. 85 people are killed. Over 500 are injured. Wrecks one of the worst road disasters in American history. On this day in 1952, Elizabeth II becomes Queen of the United Kingdom and her other realms and territories and head of the Commonwealth upon the death of her father, King George VI. At the exact moment of secession, she was sitting in a treehouse at the Treetops Hotel in Kenya. 1958, eight Manchester United FC players and 15 other passengers were killed in the Munich air disaster. Uh, 1959, Jack Kilby of Texas Instruments files the first patent for an integrated circuit. Also in 1959, at Cape Canaveral, Florida, the first successful test firing of a, a Titan intercontinental ballistic missile is accomplished. 1973, a 7.6 Lahuo earthquake strikes Sichuan province, 
caused widespread destruction and killing at least 2,199 people. 1976, in testimony before the United States Subcommittee, Lockheed Corporation President Carl Kutchian admits that the company had paid out about uh, $3 million in bribes to the office of Japanese Prime Minister Kakuo Tanaka. In 1978, the blizzard of 78, one of the worst nor'easters of New England history, hits the region with sustained winds of 65 miles per hour and snowfall of 4 inches an hour. 1981, the National Resistance Army of Uganda launches an attack on a Ugandan Army installation in the central Mabindi district to begin the Ugandan Bush War. 1987, Justice Mary Guadron becomes the first woman to be appointed to the High Court of Australia. Well, 1988, Michael Jordan makes the signature slam dunk from the free throw line, inspiring Air Jordan and the Jumpman logo. 1989, the roundtable talks start in Poland, marking the beginning of the overthrow of communism in Eastern Europe. 1996, Willamette Valley flood floods in the Willamette Valley of Oregon causes over 500 million U.S. dollars in uh, property damage throughout the Pacific Northwest. 1996, Bergen Air Flight 301 crashes off the coast of the Dominican Republic, killed all 189 people on board, the, Davis avi- the deadliest aviation accident uh, involving a Boeing 757. 1998, Washington National Airport renamed Ronald Reagan National Airport. 2000, Second Chechnya War. Russia captures Grozny in Chechnya, forcing the separatist Chechen Republic of Ikaria government into exile. 2006, Stephen Harper becomes the Prime Minister of Canada. 2012, a magnitude 6.7 earthquake hits the central Philippine island of Negros, killed 112 people. 2016, an earthquake of 6.6 magnitude strikes southern Taiwan, killed 117 people. Uh, 2018 SpaceX Falcon Heavy, a super heavy launch vehicle, makes its maiden flight. Uh, 2021 Secretary of State Anthony Blinken suspends agreements with Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras to send asylum seekers back to their home countries. What can you expect from somebody who? fully supports anything and everything that Joe Biden can come up with. 2023, two earthquakes measuring 7.8 and 7.5 struck the border between Turkey and Syria with maximum Cayley intensity of 12, which is considered extreme. Resulted in numerous aftershocks and a death toll of 57,658 people. That's quite some earthquake, let me tell you. Alrighty, well, we have talked about uh, quite a number of um, <clears throat> interesting topics. But before I start the next one, no, I, I, I won't do it. We have been talking about so many strange and off-the-wall things. It, uh, we live in a very strange world, no question about it. We've talked about everything from out-of-place relics, or oops, as you're called, to reincarnation. Well, we're going to start out with a very interesting question. Who was... Okay, well, sorry about that. The peanut gallery uh, was tuning up because they thought somebody was sneaking in. Well, the question I asked before I was interrupted was, who is Jack the Ripper? The murder of five London women remains one of the most baffling and disturbing cold cases in history. There are those that say he actually murdered 11 and not five, but... um, most historians limited at five. You know, the slangs of five women in London's Whitechapel district of the East End, uh, 
known as the Jack the Ripper murders, is the most notorious unsolved murder mystery in British history. Dozens of names have been suggested as the identity of the man that committed these uh, heinous murders. Between August 31st, November 9th, 1888, list of names includes prominent doctors, a banker, a scrap metal merchant, a, a painter, the, the Duke of Clarence, a fish porter, a sailor, author Lewis Carroll, a schoolmaster, an occultist, and Winston Churchill's father, among others. More than 130 years has passed since the killings. Historians and criminologists continue their quest to identify the murderer. But the, nobody knows that they're any closer to solving the crime. There have been three separate attempts at DNA testing conducted on different pieces of crime-related evidence, and they've pointed the finger at three different suspects, including a woman. 1988, two profilers from the Federal Bureau of Investigation ruled out a number of suspects, but they couldn't make the idea of the real murderer. Unfortunately, the, the FBI lab has uh, fallen to something of uh, disrepute. It's been uh, uh, compared. Uh, it's a little better than the Keystone Cops in some respects. British authorities officially closed the Jack the Ripper case in 1892, but the quest to uh, determine the real identity of the murder still continues. And then, of course, there's also one story that he actually immigrated to the U.S. under the name of Holmes. <coughs> Well, let's talk about the headhunters of Ecuador. That's close to the Jack the Ripper. Westernmost reaches of the Amazon River are home to indigenous people with a passion for downsizing, so to speak. The Shuar Indians of the southeastern Ecuador are one of the most one of the only indigenous groups in the New World who actually were able to drive out European invaders. But their thirst for independence wasn't the primary reason the tribe gained international notoriety. During the 19th century, a segment of the tribe, the Miraya Shirar, became known for the shrunken heads they created of enemies they killed in combat. The process of shrinking the heads, called uh, santasis, uh, begins with decapitating the victim and removing the skin from the skull. Then the skin is boiled, dried, and heated stones or, or sand are placed inside the skin, which is then closed up with pins and strings. The Shuar believed shrinking the heads of a dead enemy prevented the individual's soul from seeking revenge on the, the killer. And of course, there's a lot of um, evidence that supports what they say. Well, you know, one question historians have never been able to answer, and neither have anthropologists. What happened to the Neanderthals? Why did modern humans' closest extinct ancestor vanish? Well, scientists have described Neanderthals as either a separate, distinct species called Homo neanderthalis or a subspecies of Homo sapien, or modern human. Neanderthals and modern humans are closely related, uh, bearing a somewhat similar appearance, though the archaic humans are shorter and thicker-waisted with uh, projecting brow ridges. Beginning about 400,000 years ago, Neanderthals lived across Europe and Western Asia, roughly from Spain to Siberia. But about 40,000 years ago, the Neanderthals had completely vanished, replaced by populations of Homo sapiens migrating from Africa to, to uh, Europe. It was difficult to pinpoint a single cause of the the Neanderthal extinction, but a gradual or dramatic change in our habitat caused by climate change was probably a major factor. Yes, when in doubt, blame climate change. That's always a good one, and you'll get plenty of supporters. Changing climates killed off significant numbers of the large Ice Age animals Neanderthals hunted, possibly resulting in widespread starvation and disease. Another possible cause of extinction might have been the competition for limited resources with Homo sapiens, whose arrival in Europe is believed to have occurred about 5,000 years before the Neanderthals disappeared. Violent conflict between the two groups may have also diminished the Neanderthal numbers. A group of scientists now engaged in a project to map the sequence of a Neanderthal genome. Samples have been taken from bone fragments found in Siberia. 
Maybe some of that genetic material will turn up in the genome of a Homo sapien, illustrating that Neanderthals have not vanished without a trace, just changed, so to speak. Well, from the fate of Neanderthals, let's turn to witchcraft. Often misunderstood and maligned, the magical archer is widely practiced as ever before. The concept and practice of witchcraft has existed throughout recorded history and likely millennia before that. Witchcraft traditionally served a multitude of roles, including religious, medicinal, or prophetical or divinatory. Commonly held belief is that witchcraft is intended to influence people against their will, to control their thoughts, affect their bodies, or imbue their property with supernatural qualities. Malicious users of witchcraft have historically been accused of causing disease and famine, drought, bad luck, and other troubles. Conversely, users of white or benevolent witchcraft uh, heal sicknesses, bring good luck, and perform deeds deemed positive and socially acceptable. Spell casting and democracy, uh, the practice of uh, communicating with the dead to predict the future, among the most common alleged practices of witches. The uh, mainstream Western view of witchcraft is evil, has its roots in Old Testament doctrines against witchcraft, later echoed by both Christianity and Islam. Religion's uh, staunch opposition to witchcraft was uh, based on the eternal struggle between good and evil. Witchcraft was considered evil and a tool of the devil. Beginning in mid-15th century Europe, thousands of people are accused of witchcraft, resulting in witch hunts and witch trials, imprisonment, torture, or execution. Anti-witch mass hysteria swelled in colonial America during Boston's infamous Salem witch trials in the early 1690s. Twenty people accused of uh, witchcraft were uh, actually executed. Fourteen of them were women. Others, including two small children, died in prison. Quite often, you accuse somebody of witchcraft in order to steal their property. Because how can you prove you're not a witch? Modern witchcraft commonly involves folk medicine, spiritual awakening, and shamanism, among other practices. Wicca, created in England in the mid-19th century by Gerald Gardner, is perhaps the best-known contemporary witchcraft. Wiccans adhere to the Wiccan read, uh, and it harm none, do what we will meaning any right that a Wiccan perform should not harm another person. First Amendment of the United States Constitution guarantees the right to freedom of religious belief, including witchcraft. But in some states, practices often associated with witchcraft, such as divination, are still outlawed. Such ordinances are not anti-witchcraft laws, they're anti-fraud laws enacted to protect the public. Well, one excuse is as good as another. Well, from witchcraft, let's turn to something close. The legend of King Arthur, warrior king. Legend tells us King Arthur, ruler of the Britons in the 5th or 6th century A.D., was the firstborn son of King Uther Pender. And aided by the magician Merlin, the warrior king established his royal court at Camelot, where he ruled with his queen Guinevere. He appears prominently in numerous works of literature, but there are only a few historical records that suggest he actually existed. History of the Britons, written by a Welsh monk named Minius, uh, about 825 A.D., lists a dozen battles with Arthur fought against invading Saxons. The Annals of Wales, written in the 11th century, says a real Arthur was killed in battle in 537 A.D. Minius... Of course, a lot of historians claim these accounts are fictional. Some say Arthur might be based on one more British military leaders uh, who staved off a Saxon invasion, in which case there's at least a grain of truth in regarding this uh, mythological character. Though I will say, a coffin was found, a huge coffin, containing a large man and a female that were said by many to be the, the bodies of uh, Arthur and Guinevere. After the death of Arthur, we don't really know what happened to Guinevere. Well, let's talk about something that's both real and legendary. 
the Hope Diamond. Now it's a, another gem that supposedly has a curse attached to it. Deaths of individuals associated with this celebrated gemstone uh, certainly cause suspicion. Formed deep in the earth more than 1.1 billion years ago, Hope Diamonds may be the most famous gemstone in the world. Weighs 45.52 carats. It's a parish dark blue diamond. Measures one inch by one inch by one and a half inches. Stories of the Hope Diamond's magnificence are surpassed only by the, the tales told of a terrible curse that's attached to the gem. Well, the Hope Diamond is believed to have been unearthed from the Kalur mine in southeastern India in the 17th century. First known owner was Jean-Baptiste Tavernier, a uh, French gem merchant who bought it during one of his trips to India. He uh, brought the 115-carat diamond back to France, where he sold it to Louis Fourteenth, the Sun King. Uh, king Louis had the stone, now called the Blue Diamond, recut to 67 carats and set in gold. When the, uh, the king died, the diamond passed to his great-grandson, King Louis XV, who left it to his... Okay, it seems whenever I get on the air, everybody and their dog has to talk to me. Anyway, when Louis XIV died, the diamond went to his great-grandson, King Louis XV, left it to his grandson, Louis XVI, and his wife, Marie Antoinette. During the French Revolution, the blue diamond was stolen from the royal storehouse. It was recut and smuggled into England, where it went missing until 1812, at which time it turned up in the possession of London diamond merchant Daniel uh, Eliasson. At that time, the gem weighed uh, 45.5 carats. He sold the diamond to Thomas Hope, a British banker. Then passed through several different owners until the Smithsonian Institution in Washington, D.C. bought it in 1958. Now, rumors of a curse were fueled by newspaper reports in the late 19th and early 20th century. Though the idea of a curse likely originated to create an aura of mystery and intrigue, many people associated with the stone did suffer great tragedy. 1911, the New York Times reported names of 14 people supposedly met disastrous fates because of the hoodoo diamond, as it was called. According to the article, various people committed suicide or were imprisoned and tortured, hung by a mob, or assassinated by Russian revolutionaries. Jean-Baptiste Tavernier himself was reportedly killed by a pack of wild dogs in Turkey. A few reports of such tragedies associated with the Hope Diamond have ever been substantiated, though. The curse, like the curse of the pharaoh Tutankhamun, seems to be nothing more than a publicity machine at work. But then again... The rumors persist. Well, let's talk about one of the greatest mysteries in history. Disappearance of Amelia Earhart. The Queen of the Air <clears throat> vanished in one of history's most enduring and unsolved tragedies. In the years of the Great Depression, Americans had a few signs of hope. Sports figures and Hollywood stars were the bright spots, but none was brighter than aviator Amelia Earhart set numerous flying records throughout her distinguished career and was the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean. Became one of America's most admired figures, an aviation pioneer and champion of women's empowerment. That is, until she vanished. 1935, she joined Purdue University as an aeronautics advisor and career consultant for female students. 1936, she began planning a 29,000-mile round-the-world flight along with a, along an equatorial route. With funding from Purdue, a Lockheed Electra 10E was built to her specifications. After a failed first attempt in March of 1937, Earhart and her team planned for a second try that summer. Earhart and her navigator, Fred Noonan, departed from Miami, Florida, June 1st in the, the Electra. Making stops in South America, Africa, India, and Southeast Asia, they Arrived at Leahy in New Guinea on June 29th. Next destination for their journey was Howland Island, a narrow speck of land only 6,500 feet long. It was about 2,500 miles across the Pacific. July 2nd, 12.30 p.m., Earhart and Noonan took off from Leahy, but 
The disaster loomed. The pair had regrettably left behind a certain powerful radio equipment to make room for a canister of additional fuel. And the skies were heavily overcast. And they were using inaccurate maps that placed Highland six miles away from its true position. At 7.42 a.m. on July 3rd, Earhart uh, messaged the Coast Guard cutter Atasca, stationed off uh, Highland and tracking the electric's movements. She said, we can't see you running low on fuel. And those are the last words anybody heard from her. Weeks of searching by aircraft and ships couldn't turn up any trace of Earhart, Noonan, or the Electra. Of course, theories immediately circulated after the mysterious disappearance. Numerous search attempts attempted to find information about the fate of Earhart and Noonan. Recent physical evidence, a sheet of riveted aluminum and a piece of plexiglass similar to the Electra's windshield, may have indicated Earhart and Noonan landed on an uninhabited island where they eventually died as castaways. Additional theories, of course, have emerged to explain what may have happened to the famed aviator, but in spite of that, the mystery still endures. And we've got something even more mysterious in the vanishing of Earhart. The Mary Celeste. This abandoned ship was found floating aimlessly in the Atlantic Ocean, hundreds of miles from land. No one's ever determined what happened to the passengers and crew of that ill-fated vessel. It was December 5th, 1872. The British merchant ship De Gracia spotted a brig adrift about 400 miles east of the Azores. When the ship's captain, David Morehouse, maneuvered close to the vessel, he read its name, Mary Celeste, which had set sail from Genoa, Italy, to, uh, for Genoa, Italy, from New York City, November 7th. Interestingly enough, right before leaving um, New York City, um, David Morehouse actually had dinner with the captain of the uh, Mary Celeste. Well, Morehouse sent a boarding party to the ship, Three feet of water below decks, and the ship's single lifeboat was missing. Crew's belongings are all stowed in their quarters, and the storage lockers contained sizable provisions of food and water. One of the ship's two pumps was found disassembled. Wasn't a single person on board. According to the ship's general log, the Mary Celeste had been sailing without a crew for almost ten days. Well, the Mary Celeste is a part of New York City with seven crew members and Captain Benjamin Spooner Briggs, his wife Sarah, and the couple's two-year-old daughter, Sophia Matilda. She was transporting a cargo of 1,700 barrels of crude alcohol. Well, the Deglacia crew sailed the Mary Celeste 800 miles to Gibraltar, where both ships arrived on December 13th. British officials, suspecting foul play, launched an investigation into the disappearance of the Celeste crew. March 1873, the court declared it found no evidence of wrongdoing and awarded a salvage payment to the crew of the Deglacia. Owner de Celeste sold the brig upon his return to New York. Well, the saga of the Mary Celeste might have ended with the court's decision had a young writer named Arthur Conan Doyle not written J. Habakkuk Jefferson's statement, a fictional sensationalistic short story about the Celeste uh, tragedy. It's printed in the Cornhill Magazine in 1884. It was published anonymously at the time. First-person survivor's testimony blamed the incident on a race war, a fictional invention that became widely accepted as the truth. Two widely considered theories have uh, tried to explain why the Celeste was abandoned. One claims the highly volatile cargo of crude alcohol somehow ignited, causing a pressure wave type of explosion. Another suggests the ship's pump malfunctioned. In both scenarios, Captain Briggs, not knowing if his vessel would sink or not, gave the order to abandon the ship. Well, the uh, the single lifeboat's never been found. Well, from abandoned ships, let's talk about a plague. An unusual plague. The Dancing Plague of 1518. An outbreak of dance mania in 17th century France had frenzied dancers dancing till they dropped. In July of 1518, the residents of Strasbourg, France, were shocked to see their neighbor, Frau Trophia, suddenly begin to violently dance in the middle of the street. There was no music playing, and she seemed unable to stop her gyrations. Soon, others joined her wild dance. By the week's end, more than 30 people were dancing day and night in the streets, and within a month, there were about 400 dancers, mostly female. Many danced till they died, the victims of exhaustion, stroke, and heart attack. 
Physicians ruled out supernatural causes, prescribed even more dancing as the cure. Typical. Modern researchers are stymied over the bizarre phenomena. One theory suggests the dancers suffered from stress-induced psychosis, brought on by extreme anxiety. At the time this took place, Strasbourg was enduring a period of severe famine and disease. Another theory postulates that dancers are victims of food poisoning caused by ergot uh, fungi, which grows on grain and can cause seizures. After weeks of nonstop activity, the dancers gradually stopped dancing, bringing to an end uh, this singularly bizarre and inexplicable episode of mass hysteria, if that's what it was. Well, from the dancing plague, let's turn our attention to the Bermuda Triangle. You know, researchers have struggled to determine why planes and ships mysteriously disappear in the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Florida. The best known incident was that it took place December 5th, 1945. Four pilots flying uh, five World War II torpedo bombers took off from Naval Air Station Fort Lauderdale on a routine training mission over the Bermuda Triangle. And vanished. U.S. Navy even sent a Martin Mariner flying boat search plane out at the time to find the missing aircraft. And that plane and its crew of 13 vanished as well. Dozens of ships and airplanes, hundreds of people have reportedly vanished in a large expanse of ocean off the southeast tip of Florida, known as the Bermuda Triangle. Among the losses are military aircraft, small boats, commercial flights, and armored warships. They've seemingly vanished into the air or I found abandoned. No one has ever had any explanation. Well, <clears throat> let's talk about the wow signal. A powerful surge of radio waves that traveled millions of miles across the cosmos, which may have been an attempt by aliens to contact us. Well, countless millennia ago, mankind gazed into the skies, pondering the same question modern humanity asks itself. Are we alone in the universe? Or does life exist elsewhere, off in the heavens? Many people believe scientists received the answer to those queries 40 years ago in an incident that still sparks worldwide debate. It was one day in mid-August of 1977. Jerry Elman, a volunteer researcher for Ohio State University's Big Ear Radio Telescope, was sitting in his kitchen reviewing uh, printout data from the telescope scan of the skies on August 15th. Telescope was used in the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, known as SETI. Reading the printouts, he realized that the telescope, which pointed toward a cluster of stars called uh, Chai Sagittari, had picked up a blast of radio waste in space. Printout read 6EQUJ5, Letter and number way of denoting the 72-second burst registered at a frequency of 1,420 megahertz. He circled the notation in red and wrote, wow, on the printout. Many analysts are convinced some type of intelligent life form somewhere out in the cosmos generated that signal. After all, the analysis reasoned, uh, wouldn't a radio signal capable of traveling vast distances across space be the ideal medium to transmit messages? Maybe the most baffling aspect of the so-called wow signal is it had never been observed again. Even though scientists have scanned that same region of the sky for many years and made countless efforts to find another radio burst originating elsewhere, if aliens were determined to contact us, wouldn't they try again and again? You'd think. We're left with several possibilities, the most intriguing being the vast of radio waves was a genuine communication for intelligent alien life. And if it wasn't, Though Elman believes the signal is from a distant civilization, he hadn't ruled out the possibility the source might have been on Earth. Maybe it was of military origin. Others suggest that a space body, such as an asteroid, planet, or moon, could have reflected a man-made signal back toward Earth. Well, to date, scientists have ruled out each of the terrestrial origin theories, but have been unable to unequivocally rule out the possibility of extraterrestrial origin. Well, at this point, let's talk about alchemy. Dismissed by some as a bogus pseudoscience, the ancient quest that turned lead into gold has produced important scientific breakthroughs. Now, modern readers may know alchemy only as 
the ancient practice of trying to turn base metals such as lead into gold. And we may be tempted to think such a quest was merely part of a nonsensical pseudoscience. In truth, alchemy is based on numerous philosophical worldviews spanning 4,000 years. It incorporates traditions from Hellenistic Egypt, India, and the Arab world, and even China. The core tenet of alchemy is essentially spiritual. Practitioners believed everything in the natural world, including the metals deep inside the earth, contained a spirit. The transmutation of lead into gold thus served as a symbol of an individual's personal transmutation into a state of perfection. The main objective of alchemy was to create a material called the Philosopher's Stone, a mineral substance that could heal, prolong life, and change base metals into gold. Well, despite thousands of years of experimentation, it's never been discovered. Working with elements such as mercury and sulfur, ancient Indian alchemists attempted to create a divine body that would forever be immortal. Islamic uh, alchemists strive to create life artificially in their laboratories using various metals. The gold of alchemy in ancient China was not to transmute base metals, but rather to create portions to prolong life and ensure immortality. It's believed the Chinese accidentally created gunpowder while attempting to find an elixir for eternal life. <coughs> the failure to find the Philosopher's Stone should not obscure alchemy's important contribution to science. Alchemists helped establish the scientific method by making detailed notes and diagrams and conducting controlled experiments. They invented apparatus for the laboratory techniques of distillation and sublimation. Zinc and metallic arsenic uh, were discovered in alchemic, uh, alchemist labs, as were substances used in manufacturing and industry. It was a valuable and necessary phase in the development of modern chemistry, according to uh, Jane Busfeld in Discover in the year 2010. Well, from alchemy, let's talk about the mysterious Loretto Chapel Staircase. A nameless carpenter appeared out of nowhere to come to the rescue of a southwestern chapel and build a miraculous architectural wonder. The center of Santa Fe, New Mexico, is a former Roman Catholic church known as the Loretto Chapel. On the grounds, what was in a girls' school founded by the sisters of one more time, the sisters of Loretto, and throughout its interior are beautiful paintings, marvelous statues, and handsome stained glass windows. But it's the chapel's famous helix spiral staircase that brings most curious visitors from around the world. According to legend, when the chapel was completed in 1878, there was no way to reach the choir loft from the ground floor. And with limited floor space, the sisters didn't want to install a standard staircase. Well, desperate for solution, they prayed to St. Joseph, the patron saint of carpenters. On the final day of prayer, a man arrived at their door with a mule and a toolbox looking for work. He worked alone in private. He completed a job several months later, but then left unseen without even asking for payment. Never gave his name, and sisters never saw him again. In the course of its 22-foot rise, the spruce miraculous stair makes two 360-degree turns and has no visible means of support. Now, not surprising that the sisters were convinced it was St. Joseph himself who came to him in their hour of need. Now, I would tend to question that, but then again, who am I? Well, from the mysterious Loretto Chapel staircase, let's talk about the Winchester Mystery House, where a rich widow undertook an endless construction project to appease the spirits of those killed by the famous Winchester rifle. Well, the Winchester rifle, for those that are not familiar, was the world's most efficient repeating rifle to be manufactured on a large scale. Over the years, Winchester factories turned out millions of rifles and dozens of different models and styles. Winchester firearms saw action in nearly every part of the world. The rifle's place in firearms history is undeniable, as is its role in one of America's bizarre buildings. In 1862, Sarah Lockwood Pardee of New Haven, Connecticut, married William Wirt Winchester, treasurer of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company and son of Oliver Fisher Winchester, the founder of the firm. In 1866, the couple's infant daughter Annie died, sending Sarah into a deep, unyielding depression from which she never recovered. Fifteen years later, in March of 1881, Sarah's husband died of tuberculosis. 
$21 million and 50% ownership of the Winchester Company, inherited by Sarah, did little to assuage the 41-year-old widow's grief. So naturally, she sought assistance from a psychic. Psychic told Sarah she was being haunted by the spirits of all those who had been killed by Winchester rifles. Only way to placate the spirits was to leave New Haven and move west, which was to build a large house for them to live in. Construction was never to cease. If it did, Sarah would be in grave danger. Well, she left Connecticut, headed to California, where she bought a farmhouse in Santa Clara Valley in 1884. Having unlimited financial resources at hand, she began hiring carpenters to work at shifts of 14 hours a day, seven days a week, scheduled to be maintained nonstop for 38 years until Miss Winchester's death in 1922. This astonishing structure would eventually have 160 rooms, 2,000 doors, 10,000 windows, 47 stairways, some led nowhere, 47 fireplaces, and 13 bathrooms. Think of how much toilet paper they needed for that. Wild tales of the house being haunted by the ghost of the dead began to circulate even while the eccentric, superstitious Miss Winchester was building her mansion. Details about the mystery house and its mysterious occupant are sketchy. She never granted an interview, nor did she have leave any journal or memoir. Today, the house is a California historical landmark and registered with the National Park Service as a large, odd dwelling with an unknown number of rooms. <clears throat> well, from the mystery house, let's talk about Sweden's own Pompeii. It was a 1,500-year-old massacre, left the scores of bodies frozen in time as evidence of a gruesome killing spree. It took place on Oland, a narrow island off the southeast coast of Sweden in the Baltic Sea, and it's the site of one of history's most brutal and mysterious massacres. The carnage occurred around 450 A.D. at uh, Sandbyborg, a fort that sheltered more than 50 houses and hundreds of people. The unknown killers attacked swiftly and thoroughly, slaying their victims, men, women, and children, execution style. Evidence indicates inhabitants were caught unawares, killed, and left on the spot. The dead were never buried. Sheep and goats' teeth were found stuffed in the mouths of skeletons. The attackers took none of the inhabitants' valuables, nor did they seize any of the livestock. Nobody knows for certain who the attackers were or why they killed so savagely. Archaeologist uh, Helene Victor believes the attack was a political uh, act perpetrated by another group on the island. But again, there is no evidence uh, showing the proof of that. Then we have, in Japan, the suicide forest. Every year, hundreds of forlorn, desperate people enter a dense forest in Japan with no intention of ever coming out. Lies at the foot of Mount Fuji. This thick forest is known as the Sea of Trees. Its wilderness is a favorite destination of tourists who are attracted to the forest's peaceful ambience, walking trails, and exploring small caves. But the forest has a far darker and more sinister reputation. Every year, dozens of people enter the forest and commit suicide. The Sea of Trees, uh, Okigahara Forest, is Japan's number one suicide spot. Since the 1950s, more than 500 people have wandered into Aokigahara and never come out. Now, the exact number of suicides each year is not known because authorities have stopped making the information public. When last reported, 54 confirmed suicides occurred in 2010. But nearly 250 suicide attempts were made that same year. The most common form of suicide in the forest is hanging or drug overdose. Police have uh, posted signs throughout uh, Okigahara dissuading people from their suicidal intentions. Such signs as your life is a precious gift from your parents. Another says, please consult the police before you decide to die. Well, the forest uh, poses grave danger even to those with no plans to take their lives. Volunteers who scour the woods for dead bodies often become lost in the forest and never seen again. So why have so many desperate people decided to end their lives in Aokigahara Forest? One legend claims people took sick relatives to this remote area and left them to die peacefully. In times of famine and starvation, people allegedly abandoned family members in the forest because there wasn't enough food for everybody. Locals have long 
believe that the unhappy spirits of the abandoned dead haunt the forest. The site's popularity as a place to die has also been ascribed to Sicho Matsumoto's 1960 novel, Black Sea of Trees, which concludes that two lovers committed joint suicide in the forest. photo essay of the forest was published in 2017. Uh, it's shown as a place resplendent with life, which is a sad backdrop for so much death. And finally, <clears throat> I got a email asking me to talk a little bit more about the lost civilization of Atlantis. You know, the ancient writings of Plato launched thousands of years of intense debate and archaeological investigation. Supposedly, um, Plato learned about Atlantis from uh, politician and poet Solon, who in turn heard the story from an Egyptian priest. Apparently, the Egyptians have records that go back much further than most of the other civilizations. The priest described a vast island larger than present-day Turkey and Libya combined, lying beyond the Pillars of Hercules, which we call the Straits of Gibraltar. It had existed 9,000 years prior to the discussion. Plato provided details of the island's physical makeup, an ancient urban metropolis surrounded by three concentric rings of water with canals and bridges and a massive harbor, defensive walls encased in uh, an unknown metal called auricular Rickyolcum, which sparkled like fire. Island teemed with forest and orchards and exotic animals and an abundance of fresh water. The main temple of Poseidon was covered in gold and silver, and Poseidon was the god of, or the main god of um, those in Atlantis. Now, the Atlanteans possessed an empire that stretched eastward across the Atlantic Ocean from Italy to Egypt. And eager to extend their domain further throughout the Mediterranean, they invaded Athens. But unfortunately for them, they were defeated by the Athenians. Now, wishing to punish the Athenians for their avarice, the Atlanteans for their avarice, the, the gods were said to have sent a host of devastating earthquakes and floods against Atlantis, seeking it beneath the waters. In a single dreadful day and night, the island of Atlantis vanished into the depths of the sea, according to Plato. Legend of Atlantis was largely ignored in the late 19th century when Ignatius Donnelly, an American congressman, instead of spending his time in Congress, spent his time in the Congressional Library. And he wrote and published Atlantis, the Antediluvian World, in 1882. There was a treatise that claimed all ancient civilizations descended from Atlantis. Later writers, including a mystic Madame Helena Petrovna Blavatsky and the the Secret Doctrine, which she published in 1888, and a 20th century psychic Edgar Casey described Atlantis as a highly technological culture with flying machines and inhabitants who possessed mysterious supernormal abilities. Well, to this day, magazine articles and television programs and internet chatter continue to fuel the legend of Atlantis. For scientists and scholars, the, the lost civilization had lost it simply never existed. But then again... What if it did? Well, on that note, we come to the end of today's show. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about more strange mysteries. Until then, this is Ken Hudnall for the Ken Hudnall Show saying have a truly great evening.